0: Sleep, mosquitoes drink, and wild things love to grow. It was past midnight, I had. Into an oak tree wall My head in a daze I escaped through a maze Of busted steel and glass so silk penny hose With holes in the toes I started running Through the toe with grass I saw a house all alone As bare as a bone Like someone had thrown it away It reeked of smoke And the glass of chalk of a better day. I stood at the door, soaked to my core and feeling just a little insane. When the door opened wide, a man stood inside and said, "Come in out of the rain. Come in now.
1: Alrighty, welcome to Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, and I'm broadcasting to you as always from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co-host, calling in from Charm City, Maryland. You know where that is. Our pal, Odell. Odell, crazy that, times.
2: Dude, dude. It is, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I thought the, I thought the pandemic could, would be the, 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 icing on the cake, but,
1: uh, no. <laughs> no, it's a pandemic, economic collapse, um, just so much going on. It's just like a, a, a trifecta of horrible crap, civil upheaval. It is crazy, and I refuse to talk politics on this show this evening, or I'll never shut up. So I will try to keep <laughs> everything focused on music. That's why we have the Apocalyptic Peanut Butter Podcast. Right, Dee?
2: There you go. Exactly.
1: So we could podcast from our hermetically sealed bubbles as the world burns.
2: <laughs> That's how it works, folks.
1: Yeah, and speaking of which, um, next week we will be back with a new episode with Mary Birdsong from Reno 911. So that should be a lighter episode. Yes. I'm looking forward so to it. a really nice episode. Yeah, she was supposed to come on last week, and um, two days before she was supposed to come on, she actually went into septic shock. I felt so bad for her. She wrote me. She's like, I'm so sorry. I was in the emergency room. So we're having her back, but she said she'll share the story on air. Oh, my goodness. So anyways, for my birthday, Odell, I got this little video arcade, right? It's about eight inches long wide whatever about a foot tall you can put it on your lap it's got a joystick six buttons it's got a huge screen right you can sit there and play it or you can hook it up to your tv and it's got a little adapter and you can hook wireless controllers into it so you're playing it like an actual video game this thing has three almost three thousand video games on from our youth donkey kong mario brothers ladybug stuff from every console every marvel versus capcom game the first four or five mortal Kombat's for you every old sports game all the old sports football games and stuff and i've been playing this thing for a week i'm still finding new stuff you know what i was playing right before we went on air and i was like man dude i I don't even feel like going on air now you'll never guess what What i was playing popeye
2: (laughs) oh my goodness now yeah you're taking it way back man
1: you remember it's Popeye? Amazing. You get like knocked a bucket on Brutus's yeah. head, and it's you fight the sea hag and all that stuff. You can get the spin engine. It is crazy. <laughs> and I was screaming. Um, Danielle was in the next room. I was like, they got Popeye. They got Popeye. Because I hooked it up here in the bedroom. <laughs> and it is just, you know, when I got it, my brain almost couldn't process I was like, there's no way there could be 3,000 games in this little thing. And sure enough, man, you go through, there's um, a menu with 300 screens you have to go through. And I'm not even, like, halfway through it. And I'm finding games, I didn't even remember the names of them, like Time Raiders. And I'm like, oh, my God, I remember this weird game. Just, like, all these really (laughs) bizarre games that were, like, on the first Nintendo or the first ColecoVision or something. I'm like, oh, my God, I I remember. But they have Ladybug, dude, and I used to love that game. So, yeah. I'll be going no, to bed late amazing.
2: tonight. <laughs> well, it's amazing. That's what the kids do here. We, um, I don't have that. I still have my old NES system, so um, I have uh, like Mario. You know, the Mario with the Duck Hunt on there. Of course, you can't play Duck Hunt anymore because of the, the the TV screen and all that. But um, the kids love it. Like we have, you know, they have their Xbox One and all that good stuff. But they will play Mario all day long. They'll sit up or Metroid. They'll play that, too. Um, And it's amazing just watching them play. I'm like, man, that was my console in ninth grade. You know, (laughs) and here they are playing, still playing the same games that we loved.
1: And I don't know if this is something you go through, but as we rapidly race towards 50, I find myself in these difficult times retreating to music I listened to 30 years ago, TV shows every night. You know what I watch every night before I go to bed? I fall asleep watching barney that? miller i bought the whole box eight seasons <laughs> and it has the um the off season of fish and i and every it, night oh i watch my yeah abe gavota or whatever and every night i yeah. watch barney miller dude and then i go and i play like murio brothers and i'm like man i am retreating <laughs> into my childhood and i guess that's well, natural I, with I, everything going on right
2: yeah i think that's you're, you're you're trying to find that happy space and um i, I i've been doing the same thing so um, I play video games with them. I've been watching a lot of, uh, MPT, like Maryland Public Television, uh, because they have, like, the old Sesame Street episodes on there with them, or, um, or just, like, old movies. I've been watching a lot of movies, like, the older movies that come on some of the different channels that, you know, you rarely don't even look at, but, like, the other day I was watching, uh, oh, what was the name of the movie? Um, it, it had, uh... Keanu Reeves, it was almost like an after school special. It had like Keanu Reeves, Kiefer Sutherland, all of them before they were ever stars. And, uh, and like I think Keanu Reeves was part of this group that was going around blowing up different, like putting bombs under people's. They had the dude from Titanic, the Billy Zane. He was the, he pretty much played the same character in this, except he was just younger. And, uh, but it was just like, you know, things, I, was like, oh, I remember this watching this, you know, in like seventh grade and stuff like that. So I think it's just that whole um, you're trying to find that that happy space with all this chaos that's going on, this craziness, um, just because you're I think the mind needs that. You just want to retreat to to something that's a little little pleasant.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I know I made this point before, but it's so weird being on the other side of the equation, because now I can remember when all my teachers and parents and everybody was my age. And I'm just like, now that I'm this age, it's like now I'm looking backwards and go, like going back to all the things that I used to love. And it's just really bizarre to be like over here on this side of 40.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think that's huge. I think it's uh, and and not to keep this going about the pandemic and everything, but I think our appreciation of life uh, has grown because of this, because you just don't know what's going to happen. You, I mean, you, you're not in control of the, of what's
3: oh, going on out yep. there.
2: So yeah, so, you know what I mean. So it's like, you know, you you you're starting to create those lists and go back. You know, I want to revisit this, or I want to take this step and go and see this because you know tomorrow's not guaranteed. So um, why not go back to those images or those places and bring your kids with you so they can enjoy it, or move forward and be like, hey guys, we're gonna do this. I know we're pre-March the 12th or whatever it was, we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll save up for this and we'll do this down the road. It's like, there may not be down the road. So, you know, we're going to do this now, or we're going to go and take this trip here, or we're going to go and spend this, uh, just doing simple things that we normally wouldn't do on the weekend. We're going to start doing those things because you know, we need that enjoyment.
1: Yeah, it definitely realigned your priorities. And by the way, Popeye has it never does. been more important to me. I have a new appreciation for those games Alright, um, we got to get tonight's yeah. guest in here Dee, would you like to tell everybody yeah. where to find us online?
4: It's super duper easy, y'all All you have to do is go to musicalosmosis.com Or you can also just type in Musical Osmosis Podcast in your search bar And it's we're all over the place Like Just about anywhere that you get your podcasts We're on iTunes, we're on all the things It's great
1: Yep, and we got Kelly Ogden from Dolly Rots coming on next episode, so we'll have a couple new episodes on up this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty, let's get tonight's guest in here. Tonight's guest is a remarkable singer and multi-instrumental musician who has just really had an incredible life she's lived in a log cabin that her family built she's overcome crippling adversity and she still perseveres and brings the world some of the most compelling bluegrass and folk influence music i have ever had the pleasure of laying my little old ears on she has been creating music since she was five years old and she's here to talk about her amazing journey the musically bewitching mean mary james mary you are with us (laughs)
4: Wow, well, when you put it like that, I'm impressed by myself, even.
3: Yeah. Are you calling from a tin can?
1: Because we love tin What's cans that? here at Tin Can Media. Are you calling from a tin can? Because we love tin cans here at Tin Can Media.
4: Oh, <laughs> does it sound like I'm calling from a tin can?
1: No, no, you sound crystal clear.
3: Oh, good, good.
1: All right. Well, look, I want to thank you for calling in. But more importantly, and I can't say this enough, I want to thank you for the inspiring music you create. It's meant a lot to me. And like I always said, if it means a lot to me, I'm sure it means a lot to a hell of a lot of other people. So right off the bat, I just want to thank you for what you do. I think that's important.
4: Oh, well, thank you. That's great to hear. I appreciate that
1: right on all right well before we dive into the music let me ask you what i find myself asking all the guests we have on these days how are you personally coping with covid all the current crisis in this country and not just as a musician but as a human being how are you coping with all this
4: um, well um as a musician uh the main uh thing obviously is is touring uh and and i you know made I guess a big mistake and the fact that last year I took a little time off the road to work on some projects and get caught up and I knew that financially I would need to get back on the road this year to make up for it. So of course, lo and behold, when all my gigs start, you know, getting into the season of where I'm gonna to be touring a lot of this, you know, of course happens. So it's changed a lot of things. Um but uh, uh when I'm not touring I'm I'm pretty uh Antisocial. like i gotta hide out anyway and uh, do my own thing but that hasn't really changed much it's just like a normal day in my life uh i'm working on um three new albums though because wow. without you know without touring it's like Great. ah i gotta get on it so i've got a lot going on actually it's keeping me very busy
1: and you're probably one of the most prepared musicians for the apocalypse we've talked to you're used to that <laughs> rustic pioneer lifestyle so if the whole grid just went offline you could just adapt very well i feel like
4: i i my parents definitely uh gave me a childhood that prepared me for all sorts of things you know
1: <laughs> oh yeah
2: so so is this um with the touring art is it going to start back up anytime soon i know with things opening back up uh, uh Slowly and surely, are are things pick are things going to start picking back up with that, or is it basically you're staying well, hunkered in for for a bit?
4: Well, it's um I have shows later this year. Um, I'm actually my first show since this all happened um is coming up, but uh in Idaho um way out in nowheresville. <laughs> but, um, but then uh <laughs> after that even shows like we're talking about into July, July and August and September the venues are kind of apprehensive and they're like, well, we're going to put, leave this on the calendar, but it's, you know, we don't know. And, you know, and then lots of times because of the amount of people, um, they're not sure if the venue is going to be able to be at capacity. So, you know, how is that going to be? It's not going to make any financial sense, you know, for them to open. And so everything's kind of on hold for the rest of the year. I think everybody is really unsure. Like any second it could I could get a call and say, yeah, this is canceled for sure. In fact, I got a cancellation. Just from a lady um, uh, venue, I was supposed to play in Georgia in the end of July, and it was just because her uh, son's graduation was moved to the date <laughs> of when oh, my wow. show was going to be, and she wanted to attend. Oh so wow! Just all yeah. sorts of weird things have been, you know, happening this year. So.
1: So as someone that's been in music so long, and this is another question I like asking people, especially people who are really familiar with how these things work, do you think this whole COVID crisis with so many people streaming now and so many just underground and independent clubs are just never going to rebound from this, do you think this is going to permanently change the music world?
3: Um, well, um,
4: in the... I hopefully not. (laughs) I mean, I see that obviously, (laughs) maybe for a while, but I I really think, you know, music is something people want to get out and socialize with people and enjoy and maybe artists and the artist wants to be, you know, there and have the audience live and, you know, talk to people. And that's where, you know, we make money, you know, that's where your biggest income kind of comes in nowadays, really, even despite you know online opportunities it's still the actual road touring that brings the biggest you know income for i think independent artists but no i mean it things might change for a while but who knows what might happen you know there might be some new thing occurred next year but uh i really hope that things get back to normal so
1: yeah i'm with you absolutely um so let me Kind of Before we dive into the music, I always like to tell guests the first time we have them on how I ran across them and the impact they've had on me. I ran across Iron Horse on YouTube. That was the first Mean Mary thing I've ever seen. And by the way, mm-hmm. after I saw you in that video, I had read some things about, yeah, when they hear Mean Mary, they're like, wow, is she really mean? Like I took it as like she plays a mean banjo. <laughs> Like I didn't <laughs> take exactly. it as your personality. I was yeah. like, "Oh man, she plays a mean banjo. Look at Mean Mary." I never took it to having anything to do with your personality. Oh,
4: okay. Well, that's that's good. Thank you for that. That's how it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> I'm going through a bunch of um, your songs, and I was like, "Man, this like this." I'm from the punk world. So we talked to a bunch of different types Mm -hmm. of artists, but what the kind of style of music you play isn't something I spent a whole lot of time listening to. Your music just Mm -hmm. caught my imagination, and I knew I had to talk with you. But it it just reminded me, for the first time in years, the first time I listened to three or four of your songs consecutively, when I was young, late 70s, I was seven, eight years old, nine years old, I loved music, but the only access I had to music was like a crummy little AM radio and my dad's record Mm -hmm. collection. And my dad was a beatnik. <laughs> and he had all these Smother Brother albums, um, New Christy Minstrels, just all these great yeah. like folk albums. And I went right. back and listened to them on YouTube. And I was like, man, I haven't listened to Smother Brothers since I was like nine. This is incredible. <laughs> and I was listening to all this, and I realized as somebody who plays punk music, and there's a lot of punk that's got folk influences like Dropkick Murphys, and Bad Religion has those harmonies and melodies. And I just realized mm-hmm. how much that music influenced me as a punk musician when putting together music and just having those melodies and things that you can harmonize on and I was like man I thought it went back to like when I first started listening to metal in high school or this or that and I just realized it really goes back to the first music that ever captured my imagination which was those old folk albums my dad used to have
3: oh
4: yeah i can i can totally relate to that um you know some of the music that i heard and the songs that i learned uh from a kid you know stuff uh, you know the kingston trio or you know different you know acts yeah. that are, you know, most people don't yeah. even know who they are anymore so yeah totally i think it really um because there are some really um you know there's some really good music and, and it's a shame i think that a lot of people in future generations are going to kind of miss uh listening to some of that you know it kind of uh Fallen out of uh, commercial popularity to even be revisited by you know uh, future music generation. So I hope it continues to uh, to uh, you know be on YouTube and stuff. <laughs> People can at least find it. But, but yeah, yeah, for I agree sure. It's the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank well, God. I around, I,
2: I, well, I know around here we have uh, we have the annual like Hot Water Music Festival, Then we have a couple other ones in the Baltimore area. And and it's huge. It's a huge following up here. Matter of fact, too, I play in a in a in a small band, and two mm-hmm. of the guys that are in that band, they both play in bluegrass, and one plays in he plays uh he plays uh, banjo in his bluegrass band, and then he plays the fiddle in another like folk band. Uh-huh. And and he he's constantly telling us how it's like wherever they play or the events they play, it's always packed, and it's and he's like it's usually young people. Um, so I think yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, re- mm-hmm. I really feel that um, um, just, you know, because you're noticing, like, young kids are getting into the albums again. Um, mm-hmm. Young
4: kids, right. they, yeah, they want to hear that.
2: that. They, yeah, they want to get the, to the raw. So I really think it's not going anywhere. I, I really hope so. I, I hope it just keeps mm-hmm. continuing, the, the you know, kids collecting these older albums and finding out and then moving forward. And, and, and with you out there and other groups, yeah, uh, I think it'll it'll be around for a while.
1: Yeah. yeah, and it's also infectious. There's this song by the New Christie Minstrels called "Darby's House" about like a giant mm-hmm. rat, and it's just like this yarn gets yeah. spun bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> but it's such an infectious <laughs> song, and it I mean the way that it's just put together, I, I could sit there and listen to it twenty times in a row and find something right, new. Right. Uh huh. So I mean, there's a definitely a place for that. All right, let me move on to this. I won't go too far into your childhood even though it's amazing because I know you've told these stories a million times and if you go at your website at meanmary.com you can read your a very detailed bio uh, about your life and it's incredible stuff but there was a couple things I did want to touch on. One, okay. have have you ever done a 23 and me? Are you guys related to like Jesse James cuz I feel like you have that vibe? Oh <laughs>
4: You know, I, uh, I happen to have done the whole uh, full historical, you know, back in, but I, we're supposed to be related uh, from, and you know, from other relatives, you know, from older generations, it said, but I haven't, uh, you know, confirmed that 100%. Right on. All
1: right, so. am and- yeah. Also on your childhood, and I'll just hit a couple of the highlights. Of course, I mentioned in the intro, you spent some time in a log cabin that was hand built by your parents. You started playing music mm-hmm. at five. You've moved all the all around. So mm-hmm. not digging into the actual childhood, but I do want to know, did you feel like an outsider or different to the other kids? Did you feel special, like your life was magical and there's what? Like, how did you like take, take me into the mind of a young Mean Mary James. Did did life seem weird to you, or was it just like all normal life to you as a kid?
4: <laughs> um, I mean, it was normal for the most part. You know, I had a very you know happy childhood, and uh, the music obviously was you know I I knew it was was different, but I I really you know it felt like. It felt right to me as a kid. It felt like that's what I need to be doing. I loved it, and and it felt natural. So I never questioned any of that or felt, you know, like I was a weirdo or anything. But um, but yeah, I mean, I was homeschooled from the, the time I was uh, in the second after second grade. So um, I didn't I didn't really um, you know, enjoy going to my big time at elementary school. Um, felt so like. Uh, there's a lot of time wasted that I could be spending doing other things like working on music or just, you know, but, um, you know, too many cartoons, but, um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I was a little weird, I guess, you know, um, uh, I, my, my, um, my siblings and my parents, you know, were, were very intelligent people. And, uh, fortunately that didn't rub off on me because I'm a banjo player, but, um, but yeah, you know. Oh, I don't was,
1: think you're giving yourself yeah. enough credit. I've read your lyrics. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: Well, you know, we just kind of, you know, did our own thing and felt, felt good with it. We felt like we were, you know, doing what uh, what we wanted to do and it didn't really matter what other people did.
1: But you were someone who was on even TV at a young age. Were the neighborhood kids in awe of you because they would see you on television at six, seven, eight years old?
0: <laughs> well, I, um,
4: I hate to make myself sound so unsociable, but... I'm, I've been doing a lot of um, you know socializing in the neighborhood kids. we kind of lived out in the in the boonies there but uh but uh yeah you know because I, I had to go back to school to do uh, equivalency test every year um, so when I was at home school and yep. I, I yeah. embarrassing time I was about 14 or 15 and somebody told somebody in the school that that I was you know famous or something and I had like like 30 kids around me at every given second asking for an autograph in the hallway they didn't know who the heck i was somebody told them that it was was very embarrassing because they they were all acting like it was you know like i must be like some big movie star because you know everybody else saw somebody else getting autographs with somebody else and i'm like man this is this is weird but yeah there's there's those moments
1: well hey it prepared you there for your professional career though yeah (laughs) there you go
2: and you always had your family around you too it, it, you know I was reading up how your mom was there I mean she, she was a big influence on you even to the point where okay. she's like you know your videographer and and helping you write and and then of course yes. you know your husband working as a photographer and you're touring with mm-hmm. playing with your brother mm-hmm. so it's always been yeah. um the cool the cool thing about it is, is and, and Nick can talk about it is like um uh, I know uh, Nick's daughters, kids are homeschool. My kids are 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 homeschool kids too. So um, mm-hmm. we absolutely love it. They and they enjoy it. They yeah. really enjoy being homeschooled. So, um, but how's that? Yeah. How's 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 having mom and and your brother, your family there, like continuously showing that love and support for you?
4: Oh uh, well, you know it's, it's wonderful and it's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's both <laughs> it Depends on what's happening. You know, if you have siblings, you know that, but, uh, but yeah, no, yeah, I, I've always had support, so I can, I can never That's you know, that's one thing, you know, I know a lot of people, um, you know, don't have that as far as, you know, uh, getting involved to, with some career, wanting to be in entertainment or music or something, they don't have their parents support and, and it's hard and mm-hmm. you know, they struggle and stuff. And, and It is a struggle being in the music business period, but it it was such a great help to have my, you know, always have family there to be supportive and know what I wanted to do and and help me with that. So so that's been wonderful. I get along great with my family, but we do, we do, uh, we we strangle
1: each other at times, Uh depending on um, what we're
4: (laughs) doing.
3: So, yeah.
1: All right. Let me move on. And I want to talk about 2003 because you were involved in a pretty brutal car accident and you just paralyzed your right vocal cord and you thought you may never sing again, even though you could still, you know, of course, play. You thought you were going to lose that. And just through pure grit and determination, you worked that vocal cord back to life. Looking back now. This is kind of two-prong question. Do you feel like your voice is as strong as before the accident, and do you feel like your voice sounds different, better maybe even since you had to rework it? You have like a stronger, better voice than before the accident. How do you personally feel about your singing and vocal um, capabilities now compared to pre two thousand and three?
4: You know, I um i feel like my voice is is better through the years um after the accident i do feel like like today like my voice and uh for a while maybe for years after the accident i noticed the weakness you know in my voice that it would get tired or or i would you know be singing and all of a sudden i get choked up it's like i like i get really you know like dry and i couldn't even i start coughing kind of deal like Just, you know, things that happened uh, for the first couple of years. But um, being back on the road and and touring again, and it's really a workout, obviously. And, uh, you know, today I really feel like my voice is the best it's, it's ever been in my life. So... Um, maybe, too, because I've it's had a little rest here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, right, but, right, know, right. Sometimes on the road, you can really abuse your, your voice that way, and uh, and I've had a nice little, little break here. But no, my voice is, is, I feel better than before.
1: What do you attribute that determination to? Was it just you had something in your mind, I must sing, even though I could still be involved in music, it's just not going to mean the same if I can't be up there singing?
4: yeah there is that I mean you know when you when you have you know when you've been a singer and you, you know you just you know what you can do and vocally and the challenge and of certain songs and and just the joy of singing it I mean it's really hard to accept that you wouldn't you know that you can't do that and you might not be able to do that but i uh, I just I was very optimistic I just felt like you know that it would was gonna happen. I, I didn't dwell on it uh, too much, you know. That you know, you gotta move on with life and and live the moment, uh, you know. So I was playing my instruments and that kind of stuff. But I just I always felt optimistic, and I just didn't want to give up on that because it was just something I enjoy too much. All right, I want to
1: talk about Mean Mary and the Contraries, because this is kind of mind-boggling to me. When you're running all these different projects, because you also write books with your mom, and I know you've got a million different projects always going on. With Mean Mary and mm-hmm. the Contraries, does this help as far as like working on a different style of music, working in that different dynamic? Do you think that actually makes you more creative in both your solo career and Mean Mary and the Contraries, or is it just kind of a hard balancing act?
4: <laughs> well, you know, as usual, all of the above. Um, it's just um, creatively, I have to do different things. I you can't, I, I couldn't just do, you know, be stuck in a rut. I, you know, things have to change. And I, you know, I love what I do as a solo artist, and, and I I really feel like I, I just have my little solo act just down to, you know, it's just really great experience of just me and the audience. And you know the intimacy, the back and forth, you know, because it's kind of like just a bunch of friends hanging out when I do a show. You know, the audience is very, you know, talkative. I don't mind talk back and forth, and all that. so that's it's a wonderful. Just you know, when you have more people up there, it kind of changes the whole mood. But um, right. but I love I love drums and bass. I'm I'm I've always listened to music that's you know got a lot of rhythm and stuff, and it's it's hard to to creatively make that full sound just you know, by yourself. I want to hear, I want to not have to do foot percussion at the same time as Uh, I'm, you know, playing guitar. So I enjoy that kind of music. So it's, you know, it's something that I've done. uh, I mean, since I was a kid, some of the first music that I played, I, I got electric guitar when I was like seven. And it's like, now I want to play rock and roll. That's what I was learning on <laughs> my guitar. So just being able to to do that and uh, and have another project that I can, you know. But, but you know, right now I'm working on that uh, project with the band. But at the same time, I'm also working on this uh, solo album that's just me. Um, just me and one instrument. There's like, you know, no other. I'm not doing multiple tracks. I'm just singing and playing the guitar or a banjo. And then I'm doing a regular, just a regular Mean Mary album too. And you know, I'm really enjoying, wow. uh, I'm really enjoying all three projects. So you know, I, for a while there, it's just like I just wanted to do the band project. Let me just get back off the road so I can work on this or work on these songs. But right now, I'm, I'm just really enjoying all three different albums and the different styles that I'm, you know, playing here. So, so it's good to have variety. I need variety.
2: Nice. And how do you go know about? um just reading on and then just listen, listening to a lot of your music, it seems like you're trying to change that narrative of the banjo. I think the banjo sort of gets, uh, how do you explain it, tight cast, if you will. It's like, oh, yeah. uh, here comes the banjo. Uh-huh. It's, it's, yeah. it's going to be this particular style of music. And then, <laughs> But there's so much that the banjo has been used on, but people a lot of times don't even hear it on the tracks until you actually break down a song. Like if you're in a studio and you hear you're like, that's a banjo on that song, or that—that's uh, right? a fiddle on that song. How how do you go about yeah. changing that narrative? How do you go about changing it from just like okay, it's just gonna be some, you know, folky? And I'm like, no, I've heard banjos on hip hop songs. I've heard banjos oh. on rock songs. I've heard ban. <laughs> and people are yeah, like, well, hey, exactly. what are you talking about? How do you go? <laughs> is that something that you're try? Is that something you're trying to do with these projects? Is is that is that one of those goals? Yes.
4: Yeah um to some degree for, to some degree yeah you, you uh you're right on track there because i um kind of people i obviously the banjo is 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 a good thing for me to have it's it's really boosted my career it's it's very popular mm-hmm. uh the songs that i do on the banjo i have a, a really nice following of people that you know they love the banjo but i'm not the banjo myself <laughs> i uh I, exactly it's just something that i one of the instruments that i play i'm a songwriter i love music i, I, I you know, I play violin, I play guitar, I play other instruments as well, but, but, um, but so I'm not, you know, I, I want to keep the banjo in there. I love doing different things on it. Um, but, uh, you know, people get that kind of, um, yeah, that idea, like the first thing that they see that I say when I see a banjo is, you know, bluegrass. Oh, she's gonna play bluegrass music. Oh, mm-hmm. she's gonna play some yeah. bluegrass music. And I'm, yeah. I'm really not, uh, it's not really my thing, and it never really has been per se my thing. I've never really played straight bluegrass. Um, I know a few bluegrass songs that I, you know, learned a long time ago. What I do is my original music, and it's a little bit, just a little bit different, I would call, than, than bluegrass. But, uh, but it's still I fall in that genre because the banjo and, and that that kind of crowd. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because YouTube, um, you know, my following. On that, I still it's like you know 90% men of a certain age because of the banjo is a big attraction.
3: To this. So, so the, the ladies
4: uh, uh, sometimes shy away from from mean Mary banjo videos, and you know, ladies just aren't as much into the the banjo
2: thing as a certain group of guys are.
4: But uh, what's funny is uh, that I, um, you know, I don't write a particular way or try to write. Oh, this is a bluegrass song or whatever. I just write and. Uh, I guess a lot of my music, like Blazing and like Sweet Jezebel, I get a lot of um, fans of heavy metal music. I guess some of my bass lines right. and stuff kind of make them think of their stuff. So I love that. I love that different people that like different genres. You know, you were talking about, uh, Nick, there about about uh, punk music. So I love that, you know, people that, that normally listen to a certain genre that they can jump over and, you know, listen to other music and appreciate that or find an element in that. that reminds them of music that they listen to, but it's on a banjo or, you know, whatever. So Mm -hmm. I hope that people have a wider view of what I do as I, as I progress, you know, get my name out there more, or just progress with different songs and playing the electric banjo and stuff, just to show all the, you know, all the aspects of (laughs) of what kind of music you can make with one (laughs) instrument.
1: Well, speaking of banjo and new songs, you have a new album, Cold Out. I was going to play Dark Woods, but then I really started digging in to another song, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to play Friend I Never Had. I was going through the lyrics, and I was like, this is just an amazing song. Um, before we oh, hit cool. the magic play button, is this based on a real experience? Kind of set this up for us.
3: Um, well, um,
4: we've uh, had uh, we tried, you know, my mom and and my family and stuff in the past have have tried to help, you know, homeless people. Um, and uh, this song was actually written years back and kind of revisited it and, and rewrote it. Um, but it was written, gosh, back when I was a teenager is when we originally wrote it. And, uh, you know, just from experiences, uh, people, my mom uh, used to, um, at the charity she'd make, well, we called them, we called them bum bags. I don't know if that sounds very nice, but it's a bag. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, don't use that terminology on Twitter. You'll get like a nihilist.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a bag, and it, in, it, in it, it had like a pair of socks, like a nice, you know, wooly socks, and, and just, a, you know, a few little items that, of necessity, you know, for somebody who might be homeless, you know. And, and we would give them out, and it was just, it was nice to see. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a dollar or it wasn't this or that, but it was, you know, it was items that they, that they actually use and it was just really nice to see you know like a guy sitting there out on you know out in california or something and you know he put on like the nice pair of you know comfy socks over his feet and, you know that really you know we just wanted to uh you know have something to give them to show that they're human beings and not just yes. you know here's a quarter i'm going to walk exactly. on it don't matter kind of thing so, so more yeah, that was of an that important please to...
3: yes What's i that?
1: absolutely agree i said more of that please we need much more yeah. of that in this oh. world yeah, For did. sure. All right, well, let's play some Friend I Never Had, and we will be right back.
0: He sat there on a bench, hunched against the night's cold. No jacket, just a scar. His shoes run down the soul. Leave my ball to himself. Those types often do, and hugged his arms around his chest each time the wind blew. His expression made me think of a person I'd once known, so I threw him a dollar. That his thank you was a groan. I thought as I walked away that could be me someday. And many cold blocks later, that thought was here to stay. I thought about this world's strays It's vagrants, tramps, it's castaways Or oh, someone's child, a mom or dad Or a friend I never had I walked the long walk back here against the driving sleet Filled with good intentions and a measure of conceit The icy bench was empty, but his scarf still lay there I sat down beside it and began to really care Chilled to the bone, I wrapped his scarf around my collar Hours passed, people passed, one tossed me a dollar I felt the icy blasts of wind, I felt the falling snow I felt so much wiser then than just three hours ago when I thought about this world's straight It's vagrants, it's it's cast away Oh, someone's child, a mom or dad or A friend. I never hide um. A man came by and gave me quite a start When he sat down by me I felt the beating of my heart You didn't say a word Just sat there really still And though we'd never met I felt I knew him well Another hour passed As we endured the storm But when he rose to leave I suddenly felt warm his hopeful eyes met mine, I felt him certainly deep His darkness closed around him, I heard feed my sheep And i have thought about this world's trace Its vagrant's strands cast away
1: All righty, we have returned with the Mean Mary. And I want to dig into a couple more things before we let you go. One thing is, the first song I ever heard from you was Iron Horse. But the song that really solidified yes. my love for what you do is Sweet Jezebel. And there is just such an ominous, like, Robert Johnson selling his soul at the crossroads type <laughs> of vibe to this song. And I, I was shocked when I read this song. I almost didn't make it onto your album. What was that about?
4: what's that oh yes oh gosh (laughs) yeah it was the last (laughs) song on the album and uh i it just it was a really tough song to write sometimes songs are really you know they flow well even my story songs it's like i just but this song you know i had so many you know times i got frustrated with it and uh, when the lyrics flowed they flowed and uh i i wrote it in a hotel room finally yeah you know, on one tour, I just, I got to write this song, and it just finally came, you know, the, and that was a great moment, but, uh, but then I, I needed to look at the tune, and, you know, because sometimes when I write, I have a working, uh, working tune in my head, which usually turns out to be the, the finished tune, I, with a few alterations, but this tune in my head just was not working, so, mm-hmm. I was so, I was so frustrated, because, you know, you do everything yourself, you know, you're, you're on recording the studio, you do the multiple tracks, and you're trying to get an album done, Yeah feels like the deadline you're always way behind and that's like I wanted to finish this last darn song and just nothing seemed to the tune you know nothing seemed to gel and I recorded it, and I never was satisfied with it even after it was on the album I just I I was still like you know like oh I wish I had you know done this different or whatever but uh but now I listen to it and I'm like okay I'm I'm cool with it
1: Oh no! I mean, it's it's my favorite, my one of my favorite songs out of your catalog. Like I said, just the the visual picture that it paints. You don't even need the video for it because it would look pretty similar in my head. It's just such an ominous feel to that song. I love it. It just draws you in. Oh,
4: thank you. Thank you very much. We actually weren't going to do a video on it because it's kind of a long song, and, and shooting music videos are also a big project sometimes. But uh, yes, they I are. Actually, doing online. <laughs> yeah, very much so. I was doing online concerts at the time, and uh, one of the, you know, they, like, through Concert Window, which I think is folded as a company, but you do online concerts, and people would uh, donate money, like, give you tips and stuff, and uh, one of the top prizes was um, the person got to pick what song they wanted me to do my next music video for, and uh, a fellow, I believe in West Virginia, uh, requested... That song, I'm like, of course, he would pick you know the seven minute song about a <laughs> demon guitar to shoot a video for, but I was thankful he didn't kick um Death and the Maiden, which is about a 10 minute song about a, uh, you know ghost pirates and stuff. <laughs> I guess I got off easy.
1: Well, I mean, that's the song to do for, for <laughs> sure. I mean, absolutely. All right, I want to hit this last couple things. One of the things that I ran across, and it just really made me think. You used to do historical music, and I mean, you went as far as you used to do music, even on horseback, and I read that this music was from the 1800s or even before, and it just kind of blew me away. Do you have to, like, tap the national archives to find these songs, or is there a whole, like, music community for this, and you guys just kind of trade, hey, I've got this song from 1849, I know, and you just kind of trade back and forth. Walk us through that process of what that community's like, and where you get the material. Well,
4: um a lot of it was research. I mean, there's obviously some standard songs that kind of everybody that, you know, that, that reenacts or works, you know, does music from those eras that they're, they're familiar with, of mm-hmm. course, but um, there's, um, there's a lot of books. <laughs> that, uh, we, I did a lot of research through the library and uh, I play a song that was written way back in the 1600s um, on the violin as a waltz, because we used to do old time dances uh, from the 1800s and call those as well. But um you know, waltzes obviously are a good good choice to rest up for a bit. But um, the Country Music Hall of Fame in Nashville at the time had a basement of archived sheet music, and they wow. let us go through that. And that's actually where we found that song at. But yeah, just lots of different ways. But uh,
2: how long did you stay there? I, that would be something that I, I, I can I think I can speak on Nick for that. If I was in that, I would be there forever. <laughs> like just yeah, how, how, how long? How long? How long did you guys research, or how long? Did you, how, how long did it take?
4: Oh my gosh! Um, you know, I, I I know we spent some time in there, but um, gosh, I was probably about ten or eleven, so it probably wasn't as a momentous of a thing <laughs> really back then. Uh,
3: it was probably like, let hey, me get the
4: heck out of here. And- you know, Go play in the park or something, but uh, Come but on. yeah, um, uh, there's some really cool songs that, uh, and you know, we have some old books too, just you know, like from my grandmother and all, you know, just old music. That it's it's really cool mm-hmm. to look back over some of that stuff and and listen to it. So many songs, really, that that you know, that I I, I myself have never heard as well. That you know, that go through these books and it's like, wow, that's a beautiful tune. It's like, where did this disappear? You know, this is this is gorgeous.
1: And it makes you think too, I mean, all the way back to cave paintings, people have always had the need to express themselves. When you're going back through these songs, is it just, is it all about the human condition? In other words, life changes, of course, in 1800, they're not going to be singing about iPhones or cars or anything, but is the subject matter basically the same? It's the human condition and people at their core are just the same as they were two or 300 years ago.
4: Yes, very much so. I mean, it's the same topic, life and love and, you know, missing people and, you know, or having a good time or, you know, it's, it's all, it's, there's only so many uh, emotions that we, that's what we write about. All those basic things are the same no matter what, you know, what changes.
1: And I imagine that makes you really feel connected with that ancestry too, going through those archives and looking <laughs> at all those old songs, especially being yeah. such a prolific type of songwriter and musician.
4: Mm, yes, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's really, it's just really interesting just to uh to relate back to uh to do a different time period. And I, I guess I've always been a my, my whole family, my, especially my brother. I think Frank, he's just. I, uh, you know, we kind of reminisce like, oh, it would be so great to be born back in this time period. Now, obviously, there's a lot of negative things about <laughs> various time periods and we have a lot of luxuries now. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> I've always grown up with that concept of like, oh, things are so much cooler, you know, back in previous times. Everything was, you know, when things were handmade and people put, you know, it wasn't just plastic and factory stuff and mm-hmm. kind of, that's kind
3: of the nice right, thing about playing, right. uh,
4: Touring overseas and stuff. I, I I really miss being here in the U.S. when I'm touring overseas because there's so many things that I'm accustomed to, like taking long trips in the road with a cup of coffee and just, you know, putting on cruise control and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Everything feels so crowded and, uh, you know, otherwise. But I that is the nice thing about, like, England and stuff. It's like you can almost feel that antiquated, uh, simple times kind of feel. Kinda of like we all talked yeah. about going back and playing uh, older video games. There's a the simplicity about it. It's just nice. It's like we've gotten so ahead of ourselves and everything. It's just like it constantly trying to come up with the next thing and the newest thing and this and that and that. And it's just nice to just uh, just go back a
1: little bit i feel you exactly. oh boy do i feel exactly. you especially nowadays oh, yeah. all right we're gonna wrap this up usually i end these shows by asking what the artist has coming up over the next few months but i found that pretty cumbersome nowadays so i guess right mm-hmm. now you're just working on new music and playing the waiting game right
4: i am i do um i will be posting shows up on my tour as they are confirmed uh, for the rest of the year and hopefully next year i'll be back you know doing doing much more but yeah just these these new albums, and I will uh, be releasing them. Hopefully, at least one of them this year.
1: Right on. And where can everybody <laughs> find you on the good old interwebs that didn't exist a hundred years ago?
4: <laughs> oh, see, that's one I guess good thing for you know, mary.com. Um, you can find me obviously. I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Mean Mary music as uh,
1: the uh, URL and all that good stuff. So. All righty, Mary, I cannot thank All you right. enough, again, for what you do and for spending a little oh. bit of time with us. It's always yeah, great to get a perspective so a little bit outside of my oh. little punk rock box. I always love talking to different <laughs> yeah. creative types. And you've just had thanks, such an both. interesting life and had such an impact on the music world. I thank you for that.
4: Appreciate it. Thank you both. It's been great talking with you.
1: Indeed. Thank oh, you, Mary. Thank
2: you so much, Mary.
1: Sure, thanks. All righty, we are going to get out of here. We will be back soon with Kelly Ogden from the Dolly Rots. And, Odell, how, it's kind of been hit or miss with these shows lately, right? I know we're supposed to, like, broadcast on a schedule when you're doing podcasting. That's always the same. <laughs> but I think we've blown that out of the water with everything that's going on a while ago.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think so. And um, But it's it's it's, it's refreshing. It's refreshing to hear, um, you know, when you sit back and you look at everything that's going on that, you know, with all the negative negativity out there and a lot of things that are going on, there's always these bursts of positive vibes that are coming out of it. I mean, I think for musicians and artists, like uh, Mary was talking about, you know, one of those things is, is like, I have time to work on different albums and get that going. So when we can get back out there, you know, you have your, you have your stuff ready to go and, and these experiences will definitely, uh, turn into beautiful music. I I truly believe that.
1: Dee, I have a horrible habit. I have not perfected the art of stop talking. So do you want to take us out tonight?
4: Just wear masks, please, still. COVID is not gone, even though, you know, a lot of people are out and about and protesting and um, living their lives. Just um, still be careful because COVID is still out there and our testing is terrible. So be careful. Mm-hmm. Be careful, America.
3: Just wear oh, a no. mask.
0: <laughs> In the plains as lovers do we race beneath the summer sun. Dusky eyes met his soul Blue our soaring spirits breathed as one We blazed our love across the sky Surrendered to its ancient force Until the day he said goodbye And climbed aboard the iron horse I heard its challenge loud and shrill. Tested up the great divine But though my steed had the stronger will the higher horse had the longer stride. Its whistle cut me like a blade, I loathed screaming, spoke he cried. How could he leave his Indian mate? I'll ride like wind and ask him why. Astride my fearless painted Done I chose my pace and set my course. To catch this demon on the run, my steed against this iron horse. Heard its challenge loud and shrill as we tested up the great divine And though my speed had the stronger will, the higher horse had the longer stride Its challenge loud and shrill as it labored up the great divide. But though I had the stronger will, the iron horns had the longer stride. Through the thunder of its blare, I yelled my fury at the beast. wasted words lost in the air as it roared its way forever east and the iron horse's speed increased